Hey, would you pray with me, please, Father? There's not much more we can say, but glory to your name. You saved people like us. And we did not deserve that in the least. And yet you, Jesus, left heaven to walk on the face of this earth for people like us. That you could redeem us from the pit of sin, clean us up, and make us ready for heaven, all by the blood of Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for us. May the words of the psalm we're about to delve into really, really cling to our hearts today. To give us hope in the midst of darkness, to teach us to look to you, to see how great you really are, that eternal praise could flow from our lips. So help us today, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, why don't you take a seat, and for those of you who are here today, I want to just say thanks for being here. For those online, thanks for tuning in today. I need to start out with a story about me, because it's been quite a journey for Colleen and for me and for our family uh, this summer. It started out last, last um, winter, because usually my preaching schedule gets quite filled up, and I didn't have anything. Phil contacted me in February and said, hey, you want to preach in September? I said, sure. So I, I always wait for Phil, and then I pencil everything else in. Nothing. And so I'm like, God, what is going on here? What? I mean, man, this dried up. And uh, Colleen and I moved in the meantime, and we bought a house with our daughter and son-in-law, and we were fixing up an apartment, and she said, uh, I want to fly home and uh, paint while you're not there. You can read into that whatever you want. So she was home, and I discovered I was having a problem, and I began to have some internal bleeding going on. Well, I'm not going to call her when she's here. She's going to have a heart attack. And so on the way home, she flew home on a Monday night. I picked her up. We got home about 10.30 to our place in Florida, left at 4.30 in the morning to, go, to come home here. And on the way home, I just said, uh, sweetheart, I need to tell you something. And she just went, what? Call the doctor right now. I said, I have an appointment on Friday. Things will go okay till then. So I met with the doctor, and they said, uh, stop the medicine you're on, the blood thinner medicine. We've got to find out what's going on. So that began a five-month journey uh, to discover what was going on inside of me, only to discover I had a tumor growing inside of me. Didn't know I had, and I would have never. Did you ever notice that some of the things we complain about turn out to be a blessing from God? I don't like being on blood thinner. Every time I cut myself, I bleed forever. But that turned out to be the thing that re uh, helped them to discover a two-inch gastrointestinal tumor that had to be removed. I want to show you how good God is in the midst of it all. He sent me to some amazing doctors, even beginning here in Elkhart when my doctor said, I don't know what this is, you're going down to IU. And down at IU, the surgeon happened, only happened to be, by coincidence, the head of surgical oncology at IU. Removed this thing, removed two lobes of my liver because things had grown into there, re reconstructed surgery from before at the top part of my stomach, spent six days at IU Hospital, 
came home, have spent the summer trying to recuperate from having my stomach ripped open, and then at the same time, they discovered that the melanoma was back on my back. Due to some things that happened, I couldn't just have it removed at the doctor's office. I had to go in through general surgery again. So two surgeries this summer, all the recuperation, and so I met an oncologist, which Coley and I are learning. I mean, we knew all the vocabulary. It just never applied to us. And so as I sat with my oncologist, he said, you need a PET scan. We need to see if it's growing anyplace else. I thought, well, other people have PET scans. I don't have PET scans, but I had a PET scan. And so I went in on Thursday and sat with my oncologist, and he said, here's the news. No active cancer. They got it all. It's all gone. He said, the downside is you have to be on a medicine that goes after those cancer cells for the next at least three years. We can tolerate that. That's okay. And I share that with you because I want you to hear from me what's really happening because sometimes I've heard I've been almost dead, you know, and it just goes around and that happens, but I just want you to know. But I also want you to know that God is very, very good. And I also want you to know that even if I stood here today and said that my cancer had spread, I want you to know that God is still good. It has little to do with me. It has everything to do with him. Now, in the midst of this journey, sometime in there, I'm not sure when it was, I was reading through the Psalms, which takes a little bit of time to do, and I came to Psalm 103. Now, I've read it so many times, but I read it again, and the Spirit of God just was like, you need to share that with the people at First Baptist Church. Because we, we have gone through a period of time in America, and even in the church, where it seems like everything is doom and gloom. You read the news. You listen to the news. So depressing, isn't it? You go to the grocery store, and it's depressing. You go to the gas station. It's depressing. No matter what you do, it's like everything's bad. And by the way, we know a tribulation period is coming in the world, right? And it's pretty soon it's like, I don't even want to look at anything anymore. It's all bad. And in the midst of it, you and I who know Jesus have been placed here to tell a lost and dying world about him. Now, how are we going to do that if we do not recognize that we have a great God regardless of what is going on in the face of the earth? And that's what Psalm 103 is about. <clears throat> so I want you to turn your Bibles there to Psalm 103. And I want us to see the fact that we have this great God who does so much for us, and we need to begin to live in this eternal praise of who he is so that we draw people's attention to Jesus. Amen. And by the way, I don't know that in my 71 years of life I've ever seen an easier time to tell people about Jesus than today. In the wintertime, I get to be a bunch, around a bunch of old people, <laughs> much older than me. I I'll tell you what, there's nothing like being around people in their 70s and 80s who have never walked with Jesus a day in their life. It's, it's sad. And so we talk in the swimming pool because that's all old people do. They don't swim, they just talk. 
And you talk, and they're talking about how bad life is, and, and man, look at this is going on, and what's happening to America. And do you know, if you know the Bible, you have a wonderful opportunity to say, well, let me tell you what's going on in America. Let me tell you what God says about this. Let me tell you about the future. And man, I'll tell you what, they are all ears. <clears throat> I have never had a single person look at me yet and go, I don't want to know that. Because they are hopeless and helpless and they're lost. And if you and I live like that, we're never going to tell anybody about Jesus. So we got to get our eyes off our world situation, off our own struggles, and get our eyes on God. When I began this journey of cancer, I, I just said to God, God, here's what I want to do. I want to see you. I want to see how you lead through this. And I want to see your goodness all the way through this journey. So that at the end of it, whether I go home to meet you or whether I get to live and continue to speak, I want to talk about the goodness of God. So Psalm 103 goes like this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Amen. Well, we ought to quit now, huh? <laughs> bless the Lord. I want you to notice some things about this psalm that I think are really, really helpful for you and for me as we go through this. The first thing is that our God blesses his children. Aren't, uh, if you're a child of God, aren't you glad you're a child of God? Yes. You are singly blessed by the Almighty. Amen. Now there's a general blessing where God blesses the whole world, but you as a child of God are blessed and blessed indeed. He deserves our praise. Bless the Lord, literally, literally. Praise, it means to kneel before him. It means to adore and to thank him. It is God alone who deserves our praise. It is God that we go to and praise. For God, listen to this, God is the source of every good thing. Amen. Do you believe that? I do. Everything good that has come into your life, God's the source of it. Here's what James says. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Isn't that good? So today, whatever happens to you, whatever goodness you see is a gift from the Almighty. Amen. Boy, we ought to thank him more, shouldn't we? Amen. Now, not only do we bless the Lord, O oh my soul, we bless God from the depths of our souls. Look at the verse, if you would, in verse one. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. In other words, praise rises from our inner being, from every ounce of who I am. Praise has to come out of me. I love watching people worship. I'm not one of those demonstrative people. I'm kind of, you know, I was, I was raised back in ancient days where you didn't get really excited. You know, you just, I went to the Good Baptist Church and we just kind of sat there and we stood when we were told to stand and sit when you're told to sit and you just kind of, that's it. Did you watch Jessica this morning? Man, I wish I could be like Jessica. But something in this body doesn't do that. But that doesn't mean I can't praise God from the depths of my being. 
We're all different, and we all get caught up in, man, I wish I could be like the praise team. They're all over the place up here. They're doing all of this stuff, and some of us are like, I can't move. (laughs) Doesn't mean you can't praise God from the depths of who you are. And by the way, praise doesn't only involve singing. We're to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It It is directing the attention of people towards God. It is giving giving God honor and glory and thanks for all he has done for us. That's what it means to praise God. You see, it's my inner being that relates to God. And true praise can only come from deep inside of me. Boy, when we hit glory to his name, I just wanted to cry this morning, didn't you? Why? Because deep inside of me, I'm so thankful that God would save my soul. Give me an eternal life. The true worshiper praises God with his whole being, with his heart, with his will, with his emotions, and with his affections. God is worthy, I believe this, God is worthy of all the praise my whole being can give to him. But not only do we praise God, watch specifically what we are to praise and bless his holy name. The psalmist is very specific. He's focused on the name of God. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you ought to know that the name of God stands for the character of God. It stands for all that he is. So he said, I want you to praise God for the entirety of who God is. For his holiness, for his justice, for his love, for his mercy, for his grace, for his kindness, for his affection. Everything, every time you see God, praise him for who he is and for what he does. You see, God's name is holy. Now sometimes when we think about holy, we think of, ooh. No. That holy means he's set apart. He's set apart from anything that is unholy or sinful. But watch this. He's also set apart from anyone else. There is no one on earth. There is no one in heaven who is his equal. And he's set aside from anything else. God is totally holy. He is totally unique. And that's the God, if you've come to know Jesus, that's the God you worship. Now I know God is our friend because Jesus is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, correct? But in our closeness, we dare dare not treat God with commonality. He is holy. And you and I should be awe-stricken. Because praise is the response of awe towards God. And we ref- when we begin to reflect on the greatness of his being. I really enjoy being retired. You know why? You have time. I have time to go out and sit in the back of our house. And just look up at the sky and give thanks to God for who he is. For those of you who are working, you need to find some time just to pull the plug on all the craziness. 
We are so busy today that God can hardly squeeze his way into our lives. We need to begin to say, I want to think about God and respond in praise to his holiness, his uniqueness, and begin to revolve my life around that great God. We not only praise his name in verse 2, we praise God's works. Notice with me, bless the Lord on my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The word benefits means literally all of his treatments or all of his acts. Don't forget all the actions of the Almighty, regardless where you see them. Did you know that God is always at work? I tell people in the midst of their trials and difficulties in life, look for God. He's right there. He's not going to abandon you. Sometimes we feel like God doesn't care. God always cares. He's always right there. He's always ready to minister to you and to help you. Don't forget his actions. We're not to forget those mighty workings of God that we've seen in the scriptures, that we've seen on the national and, and international scope. Because if we forget to see what God is doing, we will begin to be tempted to rely upon ourselves and think that we can make the difference. Now, I, I want to be careful when I say I don't enjoy being in the hospital. I really did not enjoy my visit to IU. I liked the people who were helping me. I woke up with so many tubes coming out of me and going into me, I'm like, yikes. But you know what you find when you can't do anything for yourself? Number one, you have to depend on everybody else to do anything. And number two, you can ask God for the smallest things in the world and he hears and answers your prayers. And it teaches us a dependency on God that we don't have if we don't go through some of those hours. And if I don't think about what God has done, I begin to rely on myself. I love my doctors. They have been tremendous to me. But it's God who did all the work. And I can't rely on them more than I rely on him. I need to thank God for what he has done. So I need to personally rehearse all that God has done in my life. And I do that on a regular praise or regular basis so I can offer to him, as the writer of Hebrews says, a continually offer of praise from my lips. Our praise rises to reflect on who God is and what he has done for us. So that's the background, okay? As we delve into the psalm, here's what I want us to begin. How does God bless his children? What does he do for us that we're supposed to get so excited about? Well, it begins there in verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquity. Look where he begins. He begins with our salvation. Now, it's so personal in here. Did you see this? He said, who forgives all what? Your iniquity. It's personal. It's, it's us. He's done this for you. He's done this for me. He forgives our sin, our perversity, our evil. 
There's not a sin that God will not forgive if a person will repent, if a person will change in direction from sin and self to Almighty God. There's nothing that God will not forgive. Can I get an amen to that one? So today, if you're here saying, I'm not sure God will take me in, hey, I'm gonna tell you, God will take you in. I've been a pastor since I was in my 20s, early 20s. I've seen some pretty messed up lives, and let me tell you, God forgives every one of their sins. And by the way, lest you think we're okay sinners, (laughs) we're in the depravity of sin. And I know what God did in my life. And he changed me, and I'm so thankful. He forgives our sins. Watch this. He heals all of our diseases. This one gets a little ouchy because we have to try and figure out what he's talking about here. There are some who will say, you should never be sick a day in your life because God heals everything. I've known some pretty godly people who have died with some pretty bad illnesses. Is that what he's talking about? You'll never have an illness that will not be cured? No. It's not what he's talking about. He heals all of our diseases. Here's what I need you to understand. God is the great physician. All healing... All healing comes from God. He may do a direct healing. He may use doctors. He may use medicine. But it is all traced back to God who alone gives health and life and breath. By the way, All believers will be healed of every disease. It just may not be on the face of this earth. When I was doing an uh, interim pastorate over in Auburn, Indiana, I had a lady come up with stage four cancer. She said, Pastor, would you get the elders to pray for me? My husband doesn't know Jesus. I'd like to be healed. said, I'd be glad to gather the elders and pray with you. But here's what you have to understand. God is going to heal you, but it may be in heaven. And we're going to pray if it's his will, he'll heal you here on earth. She came back to me before... Uh, long, it was a couple weeks later, and she came back to me. She said, Pastor, as I've been talking to God, I'm going to be healed in heaven. She was okay with that because she knew, she knew she was going to be healed. Those of you in the balcony, a lot of you know Bob Hassey. I just did Bob's funeral on Friday. Here's what Mitch said to me He said, Pastor, God's in heaven right now, or Bob, my dad's in heaven right now with his right mind. You see, someday, Jesus is gonna raise us from the dead. And I'm gonna get a brand new body. And it's not gonna have a problem with it. And it's never gonna decay. Can you imagine? 
Can you imagine what it's like to have no more cancer? We're going to get it in heaven, aren't we, buddy? It's coming. It'd be great if you would do it now. We've been asking him to do it for you, right? But God is a great physician. And he's got wonderful things in store for us. So let's give him praise that what I'm going through on the face of the earth is not eternal. It's all going to end someday. And I get to spend eternity with Jesus with a body that will ha- never, ever decay. We need to depend on God for our healing realizing that our health and our times are in his hands. Now this could also refer to spiritual afflictions and the problems that come our way because of our sinfulness. I can guarantee God will heal every one of those things. The nation of Israel is often afflicted with pestilence, it's called, with disease, with problems, because they would go into sin. And then when they would repent, God would remove the pestilence. So the psalmist said, God removes, he heals us from all of these things. Regardless how you look at it, here's the bottom line, friends. God is the great physician and he deserves our praise. Yes, sir. No matter what it is. Oh, here's another one. Oh, let me, let me put this in there. By the way, he heals us from all of our diseases. I put this in my notes. Diseases like guilt and fear and anger and lust and hate and jealousy and spite and greed. Aren't you glad God can heal you of all that junk? You don't have to live your life like that anymore. It can all be done when God touches your life. And then it says that God redeems your life from the pit in verse 4. The word redeem means he buys you back from the pit, literally the pit of destruction. As our lives are being destroyed by sin, Jesus steps in. You see, mankind are rebelled against God. We're plunged into sin. But God, instead of turning his back on us, brought us back from the slave market of sin. Aren't you glad? Amen. Glory to Christ forever who delivered us from the pit of destruction by dying in our place. That's not all. He not only redeems me from the pit, watch this, and he crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. You see, the word crown means to encircle and then to crown, but to encircle. He replaces the destruction of sin with his love, with his mercy, or literally with his compassion. Here's what God did. God picked us up. And he cleaned us up. And now we are forever surrounded by his love and his compassion. Listen, every day that I live, I'm surrounded by the love and the compassion of the Almighty. Never have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about getting up tomorrow and saying, does God love me? Nope, it's never gonna stop. I'm surrounded by that love. That's why I said earlier, when you're in the midst of the difficulty, begin to look for the love of God. Begin to look for his presence and you will be radically changed. And then God does something else in verse five. He satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Could I tell you 
that God is a good, good father. He gives us everything that we need. Watch this verse in Psalm 84, 11. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You say, well, I don't have this, and I don't have this, and I don't have this. Get your eyes on Jesus. He'll give you everything you need. Oh, you may not have the latest sports car, but you'll have everything you need. Because he, listen, he does not withhold one good thing from his children he loves. Never has, never will. Now, why does he meet all of our needs? Why does he do all of this? So that you and I, in the last part of the verse, will have strength. We'll have strength to be able to, to, to meet our needs, strength to go through life, not somehow, but victoriously, strength to mount up with wings like eagles. The picture is this, somebody who's been worn out by sin, who's come to God and has had the heavy burden removed and now has new strength and new life and he can soar and say, I will give praise to God forever because I have been set free. Don't forget his benefits. Rehearse them regularly in your lives so that we can give eternal praise to God. And by the way, those of you who are in life group, I'll give you a spoiler alert. Get ready because that's one of the things I ask you to do in life groups tonight or this week. List some things for which God has blessed your life. Some good things God has done for you so that you can give him praise with your life group. I think it'll be a great night. Maybe you won't get any further than number one, but I'll tell you what a great night of rejoicing that would be in your life group, wouldn't it? Be a neat night. Here's the second thing God is that we should give him praise for. God is a righteous and a just God. Look at it there in verse six. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He works righteousness and justice on behalf of the oppressed. We live in a day and age where there are oppressed people, do we not? Life is difficult for some people. Some people are put down by others. Some people are living in extreme poverty. Some people are under persecution in their countries. Could I tell you this? The oppressed are not forsaken or forgotten by God. Listen to this verse in Psalm 10. But you, O God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it to hand. The victim commits himself to you. You are a helper of the fatherless. I believe at the right time, God will bring about the right things and justice will be established. God always has the best interest in mind for people. Psalm 72 verse 4 said, He will defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. He will crush the oppressor. I might remind you that God's timetable is not always our timetable. But he is looking from an eternal perspective. And at the right time, 
He will enact justice for the oppressed. Now, can I meddle with your life for a little bit? Whether you give me permission or not, I'm going to, because I'm up here and you're down there. (laughs) We who know Christ must seek justice for the oppressed in every segment of our society. I'm not out for us political activists. I'm out for us to make a difference in the world. We have to start looking at the elderly who are oppressed in our society. Now, elderly to me is anybody older than me. (laughs) It's time to start looking out for them. Do you know life is pretty hard for some elderly people? Today's days financially are difficult for some of our really elderly people who have been living on less income than some of us made in later years in our lives. What are we doing about it? How are we helping them make ends meet? How about the poor in our society? I hope I get the statistic right. I just heard it this morning. I didn't write it down. I think I heard that 14% of Americans now live below the poverty level. Take time, drive through a poor area sometime and say, God, how can I make a difference? What can I do to help? How about for the ethnic prejudice that goes on in our society? You do know that should never be named in the church of Jesus Christ. Is that right? We all stand created by the same God. There's no room for ethnic prejudice. None. So while we can say that God works for the oppressed... And he will bring justice and righteousness. You know what the interesting thing is? He put us on the face of this earth to help get that accomplished. So let's do our job, can we? Let's look beyond ourselves and beyond our friends and beyond our little circles and say, where can I make a difference in this world for the cause of Christ? So God works righteousness and judgment. But God, third thing I want you to notice about God, our God is a compassionate God. I love this section of scripture here in the Psalms. Notice what he says. He has made his way known to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. God, here's the neat thing about God. God's made himself known. I don't know had I been God, which you can be thankful I'm not, Had I been God and people rebelled against me, I would have never made myself known to them. Forget you. You don't want me? I guess I don't want you either. Now, how many of you would do the same thing? Yeah, you're all sitting in church. You better be honest. (laughs) Not God. He saw the sinfulness of man and still made himself known to us so that you and I could know him. 
God wants us to know him and see all that he's done for us so that we might come into a right relationship with him. So I want you to look at these, and I, I put the words on the screen, and hopefully they'll come up, because I, I just want them to kind of wash over us today, could you? And see what God has done for us in his compassion towards us. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who love him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Woo! Look at God's compassion to us. Let's just work our way through him. He's compassionate or he's merciful towards us. Even though we're sinners, he acts towards us with great compassion. He's gracious towards us. In his, his grace, he sent Jesus to die for us that we might become his children. He's slow to anger towards us. He waits for the sinner to turn to him. And he gives ample time for repentance. Aren't you glad he did that for you? He waited for you and called you until you were ready to come. He overflows in love towards us in verse 8. No one can measure the love of God. It was so great that he crucified his son so that we could have eternal life. And then, in verses 9 through 12, he forgives us. It says in verse 9, my version, God doesn't hold a grudge. Look at that in verse 9. He will not always chide. He will not keep his anger forever. Aren't you glad? In his goodness, he forgives. And when listen to this. When a person repents, the war is over with God and peace is declared all the rest of our life what we need. Maybe today you're at war with God right now because you don't know Jesus. I want you to know he's waiting to declare peace in your life. He wants your conflict with him to end. He wants you to come to him for eternal life. And then watch verse 10. God does not treat us as our sins deserve. There is a time to praise God for what he doesn't do. And this is one of them. Because if God treated us as our sins deserved, we would be annihilated. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. God's anger, or God's, uh, God superabounds in love towards his children in verse 11. Again, let these words sweep over you. His, his love is immense, it says, as high as the heavens. So do this with you, when you go out. It shouldn't be raining by the time you all leave. Go out and look at the sky. Just look up. Say, look how much God loves me. It's limitless. It's out there forever. 
His love is immense. His love is great. It's strong. It's prevailing. He loves me, and it's never going to end. But God's love is special. In verse 11, watch this. For those who fear him, it's special for his children. You, listen friends, you are the apple of God's eye. Isn't that good news? He loves you. I went to Colleen last night. Because every once in a while, I just like to test things, see how they're going. Make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I said, do you ever doubt if I love you? She kind of looked at me like, are you insane? (laughs) Yeah, probably. She goes, no. I said, you mean you don't lay in bed at night and wonder, does he really love me? She goes, no. I said, okay, just checking. Have I done a good job? I mean, I want to know, am I really communicating this stuff to her? Why then sometimes do we wonder if God really loves us? He said, I love you with such an immense love. So when the bad stuff happens, as I said before, look for God's love. It's there. And enjoy every ounce of it that he bestows upon us. And then it says in verse 12 that he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. Is that not incredible? You can remember what you've done, haven't you? I mean, you just start, you go back to your youth and you start going boom, 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 In God's sight, they're gone. In fact, it says that once the sin has been removed, God will remember it no more. Hebrews says, their sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more. Now, there's a little tricky thing here. Can God, who knows everything about everything all at the time, ever forget something? The answer is no. What does this mean? It means this, that even even though God knows I'm a sinner, he will never, ever bring it up against me again. I'm gonna remember them with you no more. It's over, it's done with, let's move on in life. Can I get a hallelujah? God is so good to us. So good. Oh, and then verse 13 and 14, did you, re- did you see this? He remembers that we are human. And as humans, we tend to mess up. Big time. Right? Oh, yeah. We're not perfect. None of us are perfect in this room. But God is always a compassionate father to his children and will forgive the instant I ask him to forgive. He remembers that I'm a human being and I'm going to mess up till I get to heaven. One more thing about God. 
He's a loving God. He loves us so much and he is loved to his core's being. Verse uh, 15. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows no more. What a place to start, the brevity of life. We're only here for a short time. You know that, don't you? And we're gonna go to heaven. Those of us who know Jesus, the rest are not gonna go to heaven. And you need to deal with your sinfulness today or you're gonna be lost from ever from God in a place you do not want to go. James said you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Listen to me, from the human standpoint, death will come quicker than we would like it to come. I had my birthday just over a week ago. I said to Colleen, how in the world did I ever get to be 71 years of age? I know I only look 40. (laughs) How'd this happen? It went by like that. In fact, sometimes I look at my grandchildren and I want to call my children. I think my kids are still that age. It goes so quickly. It's going to come quicker than we'd like it to. But what he does here is interesting. He said, here here are you. You're here for a little while. And he contrasts that with the eternality of God. Look at it. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. He said, over against your brevity stands the eternality of God's love for us. His love is eternal. It will never, ever end. And that is our security as God's children. For those of us who are in Christ, we don't have to fear that he'll stop loving us or stop treating us the way he has promised in his righteousness. And just if there's any doubt in your mind, He hits one more issue, and that's the sovereignty of God. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Our God reigns, and there is no one who is the equal to our God. Isaiah put it this way, this is what the Lord says Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty, I am the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. And then the psalmist says, let's all break forth in universal praise. He said, bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. And we all say together, bless the Lord, O my soul. We have a great God, don't we? I hope we can leave this place with a little lighter step than we came in. With a little bigger vision of God than we came in. And say, I'm not going to be defeated by a world system that dishonors him. I'm not going to get so depressed by all the news that I hear. Because my God reigns. My God loves me. And with him, everything is okay. And I'm going to turn my life into a life of praise to the Almighty. Now, 
If you don't know Jesus, I'm going to tell you, that's where it all starts. It's not enough to believe in God. God sent Jesus into this world to die for our sins. And by the way, he is the only way to heaven. And I didn't make that up. Pastor Phil didn't make that up when he stands up here. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now watch this. No one comes to the Father except through me. You want to get to heaven? You want to know this God who loves you and who blesses his children? You got to meet Jesus. You got to meet Jesus. And our prayer team is going to be down here in just a minute. And they will be glad to introduce you to Jesus. There's one more thing I didn't bring out real heavy in this message, and that is this. That if we're going to see some of the things that God does for us, we've got to put our past in our past. And some of you are being crushed today and not giving praise to God because you're, you've been crushed by something. Something somebody did to you. Something somebody said to you. Something happened into your life that has you weighed down. If that's where you are today, I'd like you to come and pray with some of our people at the front today and get released from some of that so that you can live a life of eternal praise to Almighty God. He loves you. He wants you in a right relationship with Him. So I don't know what you have to do today, but if somehow you aren't living a life of praise to God because something's going on in your life, come talk to somebody about it. And leave just a little bit lighter than when you came in these doors. What a great God we have. Father, thank you just for the privilege of being here and sharing your word today. Send us out blessed today by the Almighty. And we walk through these doors. Let us begin here in the house of God to give you praise for all you have done for us. Hear us. Help us. And for those who don't know Jesus, may today be the day of their salvation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great blessed week.